It's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Janita Bailey. Well, welcome to School Days, Help for Moms and Dads of School-Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey, and welcome to the show. School has likely started for most of the kids of our listeners by now, so we made it. We made it through the summer. This is the first year in a new school for many of our kids who are transitioning either to a new school or who are starting middle or high school, and that transition can be kind of tricky and full of emotion for both child and parent. So today our guests will share helpful advice and tips for making the transition go more smoothly. I can remember my own transition to middle school kind of being an abrupt one. We had moved and we changed school districts and in the district that we came from, elementary school went up to sixth grade, but when we moved to the new district, that was sixth grade was starting middle school. So we weren't aware of this until right before we were about to enroll me into the neighborhood elementary school. And uh, so we, that was a big surprise for us. And I was really used to having the comfort of one teacher and I wasn't really prepared for multiple teachers, a locker, class changing and the whole nine. But eventually I did find my groove, but I remember that there was a lot of fear. So the goal of this episode is to equip parents with information, tools, and things to look for during that transition. So before we go any further, I do want to say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag school days show or hashtag I am school days. And also, we definitely want you to be a part of the show. So if you want to share your experience or ask some questions, give us a call at 214-431-5062. So let me introduce our new, our guest today. First, we have Jody Dunn. She has 13 years of experience as an elementary counselor and six years as a high school language arts teacher. This is her first year as a special education counselor serving kids in elementary and secondary. Jody was a lead counselor for the Seguin. 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 Got that totally wrong. Network and the 2018-2019 Nell Fielding Impact Award winner for elementary counselors. She is also a mom of two, Lennon, who will be in the third grade, and Cooper, who is starting sixth grade. Jody has a BA in journalism and master's in, of education and counseling, both from TCU. So welcome, Jody. Hi. Hi. And also we have with us Talisa Brown. She's an educator with over 20 years of experience. She has a wealth of expertise and um, an experience in pre-K through 12th in teaching, counseling, and central support. Talisa is currently the Director of Guidance and Counseling in Arlington Independent School District, supporting over 160 campus school counselors. Before joining Arlington Independent School District, Talisa served as a school counselor for 20 years and a classroom teacher and department chair for three years in the Dallas Independent School District. Talisa earned a Bachelor's of Science degree from the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, and a Master's of School Counseling and Administration certification from Dallas Baptist University. 
University in Dallas, Texas. So thank you for joining us, both of you. Hello, good morning. Hi, good morning. So let's just jump right in. This is a, a topic that is close to my heart. I have a, a son who's in, is he in seventh grade? Seventh, sixth. He just starts sixth grade in, um, in the, um, intermediate school. So that was a kind of a big transition for us, especially since he's not the most organized dude. <laughs> so having um, multiple teachers was um, definitely a transition for us. So first, I really just want to ask, there are schools that offer orientations or a day camp for kids that are starting middle school to kind of acclimate them. So what generally happens at these events and why should I want my child to attend? Well, I did have experience. My daughter also is, um, go, she's just started sixth grade last week. We mm. not only transitioned school districts, but she went from an elementary experience to now going to an intermediate experience. Right. So the intermediate school did host a um, day camp where it was mostly for incoming fifth graders because the campus is fifth and sixth grade. Okay. But I felt like, and the counselor at the school encouraged her to attend. What was really cool about it was they did a scavenger hunt around the building and so coming from elementary to an intermediate school the building is easily double the size maybe triple it was huge so I think although I don't necessarily know if there was a lot of social opportunities I think her nerves were eased just about the layout of the building yes what the classrooms look like where's the cafeteria where's the gym and so they were able to kind of move around in little groups and um, follow through a scavenger hunt Mm -hmm. so for her it was extremely beneficial a lot of times you'll find information about these camps on school websites Mm -hmm. and um once I signed up, I actually got really informative emails about the entire day and what was going to happen. So I felt like as an, a parent, they did a great job communicating to me what was needed on my end to get her there and yeah. make sure she had what she needed. Yeah. I can speak a little bit on high school transition. Uh-huh. I have a um, sophomore, but she was a freshman last year. Mm-hmm. She transitioned to high school, and um, during that freshman academy that they had for the freshmen, uh-huh. the students had the opportunity to receive high school one-on-one, uh-huh. where they basically learned about acronyms that are in high school, like AP, pre-AP, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what those acronyms mean. In addition to that, high school can be very scary. So when students are transitioning from middle school or junior high to high school just a little scary because the campus is larger right you have um, students from other networks er, other areas of the of the schools of the of the city and so it gave her the opportunity to um, meet students prior to school starting Mm -hmm. usually those academies are before school starts and so she had the opportunity to see faces that she normally would not have seen on the first day of school right she saw those faces prior to by attending those academies. So I totally encourage it. Yeah. I think it's very beneficial and kids receive a lot from those camps. Yeah. I know that one thing that was difficult for my 11 year old DJ was the locker. Yes. Mm. Locker. And trying the to combination. figure out the combination, the combination. Yes. and all that. We actually found his lock in his bag at the end of the school year. I was like, did you use this? <laughs> year mm-hmm. he had not even used it mm-hmm. so he did not get uh, uh as much coaching as he needed but i know that that's probably one of the things that they do during these day camps and things like that well and th- i know in arlington because our kids don't transition to lockers until seventh grade 
um, part of the role of the school counselor in sixth grade is that we actually, the district has provided lockers to practice in Mm. sixth grade. So Mm -hmm. we actually do guidance lessons. And my sixth grade teachers check out the lockers you know, and they could, the kids could practice like in their free time. Mm-hmm. And I realized my daughter transitioning from Arlington to a different school district, she never got any sort of instruction. Okay. So she came home from school the first day and she's like, mom, I have this locker. And I was like, thank goodness I have a lesson <laughs> on how to teach yes. you how to do the locker. <laughs> so we practiced and she had it down. I didn't have any really tips or tricks but we just practiced and she got confident but the funny thing was was I dropped her off that next day confident in doing her locker and she goes well now I need to know how to do it when people are pushing and shoving and trying right. to get to their lockers and you're trying to do the passing period so or just within that time frame. yeah within yes. that quick time frame mm-hmm. so um next on the to-do list is going to be to do it timed and yeah. then I was like do I need to have to like scenario make a scenario in the house where people are trying to get to you while you're doing it so That's that funny. was funny so speaking of the passing period, what do you need to tell them? Because, you know, they're used to being in the kind of cocoon of one teacher and you kind of transition. You do go to gym and things like that, but you're taken from them. So what do I need to tell them about having to change classes and things like that? Well, I would say to stay focused um, yes, in the hallways. That's a good point. Especially I, I think in high school is where you really find very congested hallways yes. because there's mm-hmm. so many students right. that attend the high schools. It's really um, great that in elementary, our sixth grade classes are now, they're no longer self-contained. They're now departmentalized. So students are actually receiving a schedule. It's a very small schedule. It's not like high school, Mm -hmm. but they are receiving a schedule that they need to follow and actually change classes, change teachers, maneuver through the hallway to find their next class. It's not as complicated or as big as high school, but it is preparing students in elementary and definitely in middle school for that high school um, scheduling where it's no longer self-contained, where yeah. they're not just focused on one teacher. That's but good. definitely to stay focused, um, staying organized is very, very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having all your books for, you know, we have in high school, you have an A day or a B day, maybe having all of your books for A day already organized prior to school starting so that when you are going to your locker, you have your A day materials in your locker and you're mm-hmm. just dealing or fooling with your A day materials. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I would suggest or recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely um, just observing what the time frame is because depending on whether it's middle school or high school, those times, those transition times change, change as far as I know in high school, I think they've got like a seven minute passing period. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a long it, time. It's a long time. However, big building. those buildings are so yeah, big huge, and yeah. um, maybe just, you know, sitting, sitting with your child and being like, okay, this is what seven minutes really looks like. However, when you are trying to go from one end of the building to the other, you don't yeah. really have time to stop and talk. Right. You need to be focused and know where you're going. So knowing maps, looking at signs. I know the high school that I work at, they've got a lot of really good signage around telling kids where to go. Um, mm-hmm. And then always ask an adult for help if you need help, if you don't know where you're going. Um, most of the schools have adults strategically placed throughout the hallways to help kids, yes. especially these first few weeks to make sure they get to where they're going. Yeah. Once again, another benefit of attending camps prior to school starting. Yes, knowing you know where you're going. You know people and yeah. they help you to navigate through the building to understand where's A building or B building or the South building, the North building. Mm-hmm. You get those lessons during those camps. So I have to ask about this because I did read an article that I 
don't know that I agreed with, but I'm probably being a little judgy. Um, so I know that um, as our kids get older, we're tr- trying to teach them independence, teach them to self-advocate and things like that, right? So this article that I read, I wanted to know what your thoughts are. It said to get a copy of your child's class schedule and mark on mark the location of her locker, her his or her locker, and each classroom and bathroom on the school mat. Tape, tape both inside the binder. If your child has trouble meeting maps, walk the route between classes, maybe more than once if necessary. Note landmarks that the student can use to navigate. Find out the length of the passing period between classes. Time it for your child. Demonstrate how far it is to walk in that amount of time. So to me, that seemed like a little bit of overkill, but is that, is that, what do you recommend with that? Because for, from my point of view, I really want my kids to be able to learn how to do some of this stuff by themselves. And I love the camp because mm-hmm. it's not mommy showing you these things. Yeah. It's, you know, your teachers or wh- whatever administrators are showing you how to do stuff. So just kind of what are your thoughts about I mean, I I mean, definitely um, teaching your kids to learn how to use their resources is a very valuable skill. So um, just like I said, what I observed yesterday on the first day of high school was that there are resources everywhere for students. So I think, you know, really it it does depend on a student's need. There may be if your child really needs an extra layer of support showing them a map is not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. However, you want them to be able to navigate on their own in that school building because you are not going to be the one walking them to class. So they've got to figure it out on themselves. But encouraging them to reach out for resources, like I said, look for the signage, ask adults. Um, those are really valuable skills for kids. And if we do it all for them, they're never going to know how to ask for help. Yeah. And you know, that's important as we get older. Very important. You know that separation starts in pre-K. Yes. In pre-K, we're telling parents, bye. We got it. We don't want the parents to come in. Yes. We don't want them walking the kids in. We're taking them from the curb and we will take the kids in. So we're starting that independence. Yes. All the way in pre-K. Yeah. And we're preparing those pre-K students to become high school students who are advocating and managing their own school work, yeah. their I, own school environment. I, so I can remember my first child when he went to, I think this was first grade. We had changed schools and there was just a crowd of children. I mean, so many children and they tell you to send them into the school. <laughs> thinking he's never going to get to the room that we showed him and you know but they would allow us for like the first week to go with them Mm -hmm. and then they were like okay now we're going to say goodbye and now they're going to get to their classes on their own but it's good I mean Mm -hmm. the part of parent the the whole goal of parenting is to teach them how to be independent and begin to think critically and things like that so, so I just, that goal starts in pre-K. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that's and hard I think to hear. <laughs> the parent, the parent-school relationship, like you've got to build that trust, and I think yeah. parents mm-hmm. need to trust yeah. that the people they've put in charge of running these schools, things work very well, and they are very well organized. And so we are going to take care of your babies once they get to school. Um, but parents need to trust that, that, that it, it is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, we always joked at my old elementary school that, you know, we – we were able, you know, we could dismiss and, um, you know, accept ki- over 600 kids every day and it worked very well. So it's, you know, you just have to have processes in place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how's parental involvement? We hear a lot about how important parental involvement is. 
how does that change as they matriculate to higher grades once they get into middle school and then they're in high school? How does that change for me? I think, you know, that is a really good question. Parental involvement does look different at high school. Um, and I think really as a parent, you have way more opportunities maybe in high school to be involved because there are so many more extracurricular activities that your kids could be involved with. Mm -hmm. um, different sort of booster clubs, um, depending on what sports your kids may play. Um, whereas I feel like in elementary school, PTA is always your first place to get involved with the school. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of real organized parental involvement. Um, but I think the opportunities are really the same as far as volunteer work. Schools are always happy to have parents come work and volunteer up at the school, mm -hmm. help out. So I think, um, you know, I think you may find more opportunities the higher kids go. Um, right. Can I, you think of? Yeah, I agree with Jody. Um, elementary, you see a lot of parental support. Yes. Mm -hmm. Parents are there. Um, they're a part of PTA. They're the room mom. And then as you get into junior high and high school, it seems to decrease. Uh -huh. And actually, I believe parent involvement is needed at all levels. Yes. Yeah. It looks differently, as, as Jody stated, yeah. but at the secondary levels, it becomes more, I'm supporting you in a different way. I'm mm -hmm. supporting you and ensuring that you are advocating for yourself. I'm supporting you to ensure that you have autonomy over your yeah. class assignments, your class work. So it's more of a support in a different fashion, but I think it's needed at all levels. Mm -hmm. As a school counselor, I was a school counselor on the um, high school level, and I love to see parents come up and support their students when they're part of programs. Yes. They're part of extracurricular activities. Are they um, a part of an athletic mm -hmm. program? Are they in a sporting event? Parents should support their students. They need that support. But I do feel that kids should have um, a greater autonomy over their school mm -hmm. in the secondary level because we're preparing them for college. And, you know, when you get to college, they literally cut parents off. Yeah. You're funding the school. You're, you know, <laughs> taking care of the bill. But any information about students when you get to college, they're not going to talk to the parent. They're no. going to speak directly to the student. So we want to prepare them for that. We want to mm -hmm. prepare our kids to advocate and, and manage their own schoolwork. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So if, and we have one of these in our family, if your child is not super organized, this is a different moving into middle school and then even moving into high school, uh, that could become a challenge. So what are kind of some of the things that you recommend to help them? It's a tricky one because, mm -hmm. you know, we just talked about pulling back a little bit as far as um, giving your kids autonomy when they get older. Um, however, as a parent, because I do know that my daughter needs that support with organization, mm -hmm. um, I just make it a point at night um, to just when she's doing homework or we're just going over things in her binder, I have her double check. Do things look organized? Mm -hmm. And then um, I don't do it for her, but I have her communicate to me and um you know, I feel like as she gets older, I'm going to pull that back a little more. Mm -hmm. But being in sixth grade, um, she still needs that support and that structure. Right. Um, 
what I've found though is that the teachers are actually pretty good at giving the kids some parameters on how to be organized. And so whether that's, you know, reading in the school syllabus what their classes are supposed to be looked like, like how many folders are they supposed to have? What are the labels supposed to be? Um, So as a parent, you can kind of know those things in the back of your head. What is the organization actually supposed to look like? so it may just depend on the kid. I, th- I have a feeling my son, he's, you know, although I can't really tell. He's, he's gone into third grade. <laughs> he may need some support. But, um, you know, as a parent, just knowing what's expected in those classes. And then um, I still think it's okay at home to kind of go over or look at their binder, pay attention. Um, but make, make it really their responsibility. You know, like you're, if you need help, ask me for help uh-huh. with your organization. Yeah. I agree. Do you? I think we as parents set the tone yes. of organization for our students. We set the school tone, period, period right. as parents. Mm-hmm. We set the homework tone in our house. So how we support our kids in our homes support how organized they are in school. Right. So if we're asking questions, yes. we're being observant of things that they're doing in school. We're supporting whatever organizational um, tasks that the teacher has mm-hmm. in place, if we're supporting those things at home, I think that we're setting the tone for our students to be, or our children to be organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that too, parental, being a good role model mm-hmm. yes. to your kids about organization. Unless that's your, your concern as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a fine line to walk. <laughs> Might have to enlist um, a mentor. Yes. <laughs> who is organized. Yes. Even with homework, you know, if, if you have a, <laughs> you have parents, oh my gosh, my child has so much homework and you're saying that those things and your kids are hearing that. Oh, yeah. oh my kid, my kid is not organized and I'm not organized. Like, you know, they need to mm-hmm. see, as Jody stated, a role model in us as parents. Mm-hmm. So when they see that, they will um, portray that also, yeah. hopefully. Right. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You made me think of something. How can we as parents, um, sometimes we didn't have a good middle school or high school experience. Well, how can that impact our kids? Um, our own personal biases and issues with yeah. middle school and high school. It can. It yeah. can. And um, I I think there's a there's definitely some um I mean you can be honest with your kids, you know, that it was rough for you or these were things. Um I think um but we all survived middle school, obviously, and we all went on to go to college and get advanced degrees. So I think using that as a tool with your kids, like middle school is rough for most people, mm-hmm. um, regardless of your background or where where your future is going. Um, so it's it's okay to give a little honesty just about how middle school was for you. Um, I know just kind of sharing with my daughter, because I also transitioned schools. I moved states in sixth grade. And I went from a private school to public school. Oh. And it was a huge transition. Yeah. Um, I'd only ever worn a uniform. And then I went to public school. Um, you know, so just little things like that. But sharing that experience with my daughter about how I felt and that I was, I had anxiety. I was a little insecure. Um, I think it relieved her. Like, oh, okay. But I pointed out to her, but mom did okay. Like, yeah. I made friends. And um, I persevered. And that that's my hopes for her as well. So I think it's okay to be a little honest that middle school is hard for most people. Mm-hmm. And really just, but focusing on however we all made it. Everyone survives middle school. It's, you know, and it's I think challenging. <laughs> right. And when you're sharing those experiences, share it in a positive way. Definitely. Because if you're sharing it in a negative way, it can influence 
your child highly. Mm-hmm. Your child will take your experience, which may not have been very positive for you, and yes. maybe create that experience for them. And we don't want that to happen. So how, how do you share, like, uh, for instance, I was bullied mm-hmm. in, at the end of middle school and then the beginning of high school. So how do you put a positive spin on that? Well, I think, I mean, just like I talked about a little bit with, with honesty, you share it with the you persevered, you overcame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you do share something like that, which I think it's okay to tell your kids, you know, I was made fun of. Um, I was very tall. I was very lanky when I was, mm. you know, in sixth and seventh grade. And um, I was easily two heads taller than every boy. Wow. Um, it was, you know, it was something I did get made fun of. But yeah. I think um, my daughter is going to have the same exact issues. So sharing that with her, but explaining just that there's another side to it, that mm-hmm. we were, um, that I took those experiences and I used it to build my confidence. Yes. Yeah. And resources that are available. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was bullied. And if you're bullied, these are the resources. You don't have to be bullied. These are things that you can do. These are people you can talk to. So when I say positive, I mean providing them the experience and then the resources are how you survived. Yeah. And maybe you didn't survive. You know, we have some parents say, well, I didn't survive it. Well, <laughs> I got scars today. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, we have to think about things. When we were growing up, we went through situations. So if we could do it differently, how will we do it different in a positive way? And we can share those those different positive um, ways of doing things with our students. Yeah. Or with I, our kids. And I think all adversity has a purpose and um can shape you into the person that you are today Absolutely. sometimes in negative ways but a lot of times it, it turns into a positive um, so I think that that's one of the things you can share about your experience if you're sharing your experience about high school and middle school especially yeah. if they're going through it you can champion them to overcome mm-hmm. I mean that's what that's a skill you're gonna have your whole life yeah. is overcoming right. and that um but I like what Talisa said about resources, yeah. you know, especially when you do talk about bullying, because there are lots of resources at the schools and who can the kid trust and talk to at, Who can your child talk and trust at school? Yeah, absolutely. In middle school and high school, should we encourage our children to have some overall goals? Like by the time I finish middle school, I want to have accomplished this or high school. I, or is we, that too much? No, I think goal setting is um, we start talking about career and college now in kindergarten with kids mm-hmm. because it does um, just foster their love of learning yeah. and um, believing in the process of education. It's something they're g- going to commit a large portion of their life to is education. So you really want them to buy in. And so I think goal setting is kind of how you get that buy in with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to do? What do you want to see? How do you want to um, live your life? And um, it's almost inspiring sometimes even to talk to five-year-olds about what they want to be when they grow up because yeah. they get really, really excited. And we're able now to talk to them more about different types of careers and opportunities that they could have because they like to do a certain thing that um, it's not just about being a doctor or a lawyer or a policeman anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there are 
tons of opportunities in the school system for kids to learn how to do different things. So setting goals is is a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And starting early is a good idea because we want kids to start focusing on that goal. We have like um, endorsements now in high school where students have to select an endorsement their freshman year. And we're wanting students to start thinking about their career path. We have so many students who often um, get to their senior year and they don't know what they want to do. Oh, absolutely. So we want them to start having those thoughts and, and start looking into those career paths early. Mm -hmm. So tell me what an academic resume is and when do you start that? Is that something you even consider in middle school? Or is that really just a high school thing? When do you start working on that? I would say, you know, middle school is is when kids are exposed to extracurricular activities. Because um, my understanding would be your academic resume is pretty much everything you did in mm -hmm. high school. And you want to be able to build a pretty solid resume depending on what you want to do afterwards. Right. Um, colleges really do look at extracurricular. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, you can start playing instruments and orchestra as early as fifth grade so it's never too early to talk to kids about what their interests are um, looking at ways for them to get involved in extracurricular activities um, because it may take them a few different tries to really find something that they like and that mm -hmm. they really want to do and invest their time in so um, the more time you have really to investigate you know do they want to do theater do they want to um, play an instrument do mm -hmm. they want to um, play sports so starting to talk to them about those opportunities and really depending on the school district, some of those things do happen as early as fifth grade. So mm -hmm. right. I totally agree with Jody. We should start building those resumes early. There are so many opportunities for students to be a part of programs outside of the school clubs. clubs. There are community college colleges that are starting in fifth and sixth grade, allowing students to go to college mm -hmm. and take college really? courses, STEM. So many opportunities for students, and they want to capture all of those opportunities in one document. So, as Jody stated, when they're applying to college, they can show all of the things that they were a part of during their school years, mm -hmm. not just high school, but during the years when I was in junior high. Even the years when I was in elementary, I was a part of these programs mm -hmm. because colleges now, as Jody stated, they're looking at the whole student. Right. Test scores are important, but they're looking at the whole student. Mm -hmm. So seeing that a student is involved in many different programs and activities is a plus. So how do you, this was not something that was explained to me at all when I was in school. I mean, I was I was active. I was really more active in sports, but I was not super well-rounded. But I didn't know anything about an academic resume. So what it, what goes on that and who's going to see it and why is it important? Kind of how do you start building that? I, till, I mean, your transcript is mostly built of your um, credits courses. and your credits. courses. Mm -hmm. And then um, academic resumes, I assume, because I'm just now back in high school, <laughs> working with high school kids, um, is just more of like a traditional resume we would use to apply for a job. Um, but I would say you would put on your academic resume anything you were involved in mm -hmm. um, because you do want it to look diverse and you want it to look, um, you know, that you were able to balance what you did outside of the class with how well you did um, inside of the mm -hmm. classes. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean to say that your kid has to be involved in a lot of different things because um, as we know, you know, Talisa has four 
children. Um, those calendars fill up super quick. Oh, absolutely. And there's only so many hours in the day. The day. There's only so many days in the week. You know, it can become very expensive. It's expensive mm-hmm. and it's overwhelming. And super time for uh, for mom and dad. It's overwhelming for the kids to get them to where they needed to go. Um, but you know, just that they did try and commit to different programs in mm-hmm. the school. Um, do you know any more about academic resumes? I just think, I mean, it's probably exactly what you would send to the college. These are the courses I took. These are the extracurricular act, extracurricular activities that we're involved in. Things that you volunteered in, honors that you received. Student council, mm-hmm. chess club. Leadership. Leadership. And all um, of that's academic focus. Yeah, I know we absolutely. said academic resume, but being a part of programs on community colleges yeah. or being a part of um, STEM programs, mm-hmm. all of those are academic fo- focused. Even absolutely. a leader, leadership. Oh, very much so. Can be academic focused. So just listing all of the activities, mm-hmm. all of the programs, all of your courses that you've done during your school years mm-hmm. is part of your academic resume. Yeah, and so they're going to look at that. And and I, I love what you said that they don't have to do everything because no. really colleges are not, maybe in the earlier years, they're looking to see, okay, what did they try? But really in high school, they're going to want to know that you finally committed to something yes. and you have some Follow passions mm-hmm. and that, you know, I served on the student council or I volunteered with Habitat for Humanity all yes. four years or something like that. They don't want you to kind of be all over all the map over the place. They no. want to see by the time you're in high school. Right. See yeah. that you committed to something and you follow through with it. Yeah. Yeah. To the end. Yeah. You stay consistent. Absolutely. And that's important. Yeah. You work with special needs students. So I would love to know how your IEP and your 504. That's not it. Yeah. IEP. Yes. IEP and 504, 504 are affected by transitioning to middle school and then transi- transitioning to high school. What do I need to know as a parent? Um, As a parent, if you do have a student that has an IEP or a 504, um, you know, our schools these days do have the ability to um, share documents electronically. Mm -hmm. I would have to say that is never as timely as the school would like it. (laughs) As a parent with a child with a 504 IEP, it's always good practice to have those documents yourself. Um, my daughter recently transitioned from special education to a 504 where we've taken most of her in-class support, actually all of her in-class support out. She just is served through accommodations. And I was very nervous as a mom making that transition to a brand new school where no one knew her. Mm. So I took it upon myself to send an email to her teachers and I attached her 504 documents. Awesome. And I gave mm-hmm. a little background information. And what I thought was so refreshing was that the, e- the teachers emailed me back. And they all felt like what I told them about her history was so much more than what the 504 was saying about her. Mm-hmm. Because the 504 is just a current, it was, you know, just one year snapshot of what her abilities are. But what I was able to provide as a parent was just, and it was really just a brief paragraph of where we were and where we are now with her mm-hmm. academically. But the teachers were all so appreciative to have that bigger picture mm-hmm. of who my child was based on my perspective than what was just going to be shown in that 504. Yeah. So as a parent, I definitely think keeping those documents is a good idea. And being a point of contact with those teachers and just say, you know, I'm here as a parent if you have any questions. 
And then um, that just opens up that door for communication. I've been extremely pleased with how she's been received at her new school. And um, I couldn't ask for a better communication from her teachers. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that was I reached out and said, hey, I'm here. If you need me as a parent, just let me know. So. And here's what you need to know, because I think a lot of times we think, well, they'll transfer the information. And they do. And that's right. the thing is that I, and, maybe not and actually that the, the record keeping. But I just know today um, I was in a meeting and at a high school we have dozens of kids that are brand new. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not able to see them yet in my computer system, but they need services. It's the second day of school. They need Absolutely. services. And so what has been really beneficial is when the parents have been able to give us that information because we are like running as soon as we get it to give those kids exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, have faith in the system. We will get all of those records. We will have it all. However, if you can just give us you know, more information that maybe we're not seeing that's, that's on paperwork. Cause yeah. we all know kids are way more than test scores yeah. and what's on a piece of paper. So, you know, sharing information that would be beneficial is, is a good idea. I want to make a quick note. I know we're speaking on transitioning from elementary to junior high and junior high to high school, but I want parents to know that those IEP records and also 504 are accepted in college. Yes. As well. Students can utilize their IEP and their 504 accommodations in high in college as well Mm -hmm. so i want parents to know that so jody made a great point keep track of those records Mm -hmm. because it's not as easy to transition electronically those documents from high school from a isd to a college so it's good when parents have those documents in place they can just give to the student where the student can give to the college yeah so just a little point i wanted to make there. that's a very good point Mm -hmm. and also it's a little late for everybody right now because we've already had the meet the teachers night Mm -hmm. but uh, on meet the teacher night because both of our boys have either an iep or a 504 and i pulled the teachers aside and i was like okay here's here's what their challenges are, and we do have an IEP in plan or a, uh, in place or a 504, and these are some of the things that we've dealt with. And you know, uh, get, here's my email. <laughs> if you need to contact me no, or text great. me or whatever, and just let them know upfront. You know, because on the first day, they probably aren't going to have all of that information. And if they're seeing some things, I want them to understand. Okay, this is why I'm. This is why this child is you know, under the table. Hopefully that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's a great point because yeah. I know you said that it may be too late if we've had teacher meet the night, but I have a, a child that has a hearing deficit. Mm-hmm. So my child has a 504 because of his hearing deficit. I didn't mention it during parent meet the teacher night. Mm-hmm. So I sent a teacher an email over the weekend. I knew the first day was coming up just to make the teacher aware of Carson's hearing deficit and um the teacher replied back and she was appreciative that I made her aware so even if you have not told your teachers about your child's 504 Mm -hmm. plan it's not too late you can send an email or always visit with the teacher um before after school yeah or Mm -hmm. use those class dojos and those remind apps and things Mm -hmm. like that I love Mm -hmm. those those are fantastic but making them aware soon is is great sooner than later Mm -hmm. right Uh, let's just take a quick break to say that if you have any I'm going to get it. I am. If you have any questions or comments for our guests, give us a call at 214-431-5062. Let's talk academics and specifically AP courses and pre-AP courses. So it's my understanding in in middle school, it's pre-AP and in high school, it's AP courses. Correct. Correct. Okay. So is this something that I should encourage if I think that my child is um, capable of the rigor? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, You want your children to be challenged. 
You want them to be in a rigorous classroom environment so that their needs are being met. So if your child can handle those pre-AP courses in junior high school, I strongly encourage you as a parent to ensure that they are enrolled in those courses. Mm -hmm. Um, High school, we take um, pre-AP that freshman year. There are a few AP courses freshmen can take, but I do encourage students in high school to continue on taking those advanced placements courses because we want to start not only being challenged and ensuring that we are receiving rigorous curriculum, but we want to also start thinking about um, college credit because with AP courses, if a student takes the course, at the end of the course, there is a test that students can take. And if mm-hmm. they make a score, a certain score, an eligible score, they are um, they qualify possibly for college credit. Right. Yeah. And are these pre-AP classes preparing them for the AP classes? Absolutely. Is that how that works? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that. Those pre-AP courses definitely are preparing our students to take those advanced placement classes. How do you know if your child is, because David has mentioned to me, he teaches AP classes. Mm-hmm. Some kids shouldn't be in uh, pre-AP classes or AP classes. So how do you know if your child is capable It could start with just communication with their teachers. Mm. Um, I knew moving my daughter districts, um, we did not offer pre-AP courses in sixth grade. At her old district, the new district, they do offer pre-AP courses in sixth grade. Now, this is my child who was moving from special ed to 504. Um, I was extremely nervous, and I wasn't sure if that was something that she could do. I asked her teachers her teachers from last year when we were able to enroll in her courses for this year if that was something that they felt that she could handle and um, I got a resounding yes like they all felt like that was something she could handle Mm -hmm. so um, I was very nervous to have them have her in those classes but like I said those teachers have been nothing but accommodating to her and it assuring me that she was going to be able to do whatever it was that they were asked to do in that class, regardless of her ability or disability. That's great. Yeah. Should I be concerned about my child's college readiness if they aren't in AP classes? No, I think Mm -hmm. there are, I mean, there are so many different tracks now to get to college and not only that, but there's different ways to get college credits other than um, pre-AP courses. So you don't, and Talisa may know a little bit more, um, dual credit classes. Oh, okay. Right. And AP courses, granted, dual credit classes, yes, they do prepare students for college because the rigor is there. Mm -hmm. They're able to be exposed to those college-level exams. But if your student is not taking AP courses in all of the different content areas, doesn't mean that your child is not going to be college ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Just ensuring that your student has experiences equates to college readiness Mm -hmm. along with the AP courses. Mm -hmm. So I don't want parents to think, oh, my child is not taking any AP courses or they only had one or two, so they're not ready for college. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that we have to offer opportunities and experience for students outside of those AP classes. Uh, Experiences for children outside the AP classes? Yes, and I mean, we talked about earlier programs, Mm -hmm. prepare students. Uh, We talked about clubs. Oh, okay. Um, And I'm I'm speaking academic. Mm Mm-hmm. Those experiences, being a part of those hands-on opportunities can also um, increase their college readiness. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I know that some people that are in schools that maybe are not high-performing may feel like there's pressure to be in an AP class. Is there any... Is there any truth to that, that maybe they will be more prepared if they're in the AP class, or do they just need these kind of different clubs and experiences and things like that? AP courses 
are set to prepare students for college because they're college readiness courses. So um, I think a combination of both is beneficial for students, mm -hmm. a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Can you give me a couple of examples of some of those experiences, like the clubs that you were talking about? Right. For example, um, I talked earlier about college, um, community colleges. They offer college for kids, mm -hmm. um, not only in the fifth and sixth grade, but they also offer college for kids in the eighth grade, in the eighth and the ninth grade, those higher grades. So the college for kids is a great way to start getting your mindset on preparing for college and getting that college readiness instilled in students. Mm -hmm. So that's the program, the type of programs that I'm speaking of. Okay. But AP courses, pre-AP courses, by all means are courses that are designed to prepare students for college because of the rigor mm -hmm. and the content that the students are exposed. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I don't remember utilizing my school counselor a whole lot in middle school and high school. So can you kind of tell me what the role of a counselor is academically, socially, all of those things? Um, I, I can definitely speak to um, elementary. Talisa may have to fill in that middle school gap because I've not technically worked in middle school. Um, I feel like in high school, the counselors, because of um, looking at transcripts a lot, I think th there's a little misunderstanding about high school counseling that they really just work on schedules. However, when you're looking at a child's schedule, that is the absolute perfect opportunity to really reach and dig in and figure out what's going on with that student. How are they adjusting? How are they handling their classes? And, um, you know, I feel like they're extremely visible on the high school campus, the counselors. Mm -hmm. There's signage everywhere. Who is your counselor? And it's listed by Alpha. So, you know, what, if you know what your last name is, you know who your counselor is. Yeah. But I just think because they are doing a lot of um, planning for classes, you do get that face-to-face -face time with your high school counselor where it's an opportunity for the counselors to reach out to kids and really just see how they're doing and, you know, is, do they need help with anything? Um, my role as a special ed counselor is a little different. I have kind of a unique niche of students that I work with. And um, in elementary, the counselors are extremely visible because we're constantly doing classroom guidance. Um, and the schools are a little smaller, so most kids, all kids know who your counselors are, and we really only have one counselor per elementary, if you have two. Um, so I think visibility is definitely um, there. So if your kids know who your counselors are and know where to find them, um, you know, we can always encourage our kids to utilize their counselors during, their, during the day. They're there for academic and emotional support. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree with Jody 100%. Our elementary counselors, we do a lot. All of our counselors develop yes. um, comprehensive guidance programs. Mm -hmm. And those programs are um, evolved around the four components, which is guidance curriculum, individual um, planning, system support, and um, oh my responsive, gosh, Jody, responsive, responsive services. services. I went blank for a second. Responsive <laughs> services. So within those four components, as a school counselor at every, every level, we work, and our work is infused through those mm -hmm. four components. Mm -hmm. It looks differently at every level, but our work is surrounded around those four components. Gotcha. So by teen years, one in five students will experience mental illness. So how can transitions to new schools kind of reveal that there are some issues or exacerbate mental issues? 
Yeah, anxiety is a big one. Yeah. And I think it that's is. what, as a counselor, we see the most with kids is just that anxiety, um, that anxiety piece. You know, all transitions will bring forth some sort of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, you know, as a school, how we support kids is just, um, you know, assuring them that they have support to begin with, that the school's here to support you, you know, your parents are here to support you. So just know your school counselors are very well equipped to handle kids with anxiety at the school building. I think as a parent, something that, um, you know, may be looking for signs that your child may be experiencing, um, you know, issues in their mental health. The two signs I always tell parents are the biggies is change in sleeping patterns Mm -hmm. and then change in eating patterns. So what that may look like is if you have a child that has a pretty healthy appetite and then they're all of a sudden not eating, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a red flag that you may want to dig deeper and see kind of what's going on. But it could be the opposite. You could have a child that doesn't really eat a whole lot, but then they're eating all the time. That is, that's equally as you just need to make sure that you know what's going on. And sleep's the same thing. If you've got a child that typically is a really good sleeper and they're having a hard time sleeping, um, that could just mean that there's something else going on that you, you want to investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a parent, just being really aware of changes in your child mm-hmm. because the sooner you can check on them, see what's going on, offer up resources, the be- you know the better chance they have at being able to overcome whatever it is that they're going through. Yes. And as you asked earlier, your school counselor, you really didn't have a relationship with your school counselor. That's where the school counselor really comes in play, having that relationship as the parent with the campus school counselor and also encouraging your child to have a relationship with the school counselor. Mm -hmm. Very important. I always took, I mean, we take phone calls from parents all the time where it's the parents that's kind of, the parent is the one that's kind of suspecting something's going on. I always fielded calls from parents saying, will you just check on my child today because I'm not really sure what's going on. They've had a different attitude or we've been seeing some behaviors at home. So, you know, it's always okay to communicate to your school counselor that you're concerned about your child because we definitely could investigate and look into it and touch base with your child just so they know that everyone here is working to help them be successful. Yeah. And we have realized that in the last couple of years, how awesome school counselors can be because Mm -hmm. we have one child that has um, anxiety and depression and I have called the counselor and said please just check because he didn't have a good morning or Mm -hmm. a good night or whatever and she'll check and say okay he was doing a great job and he's fine today and well I know as a counselor we appreciate parents telling us Mm because a lot of times our numbers are high and um, I'd love to check on every kid every day. Um, but if right. I can if I can prioritize who I need to see, like I already have a list ready for me when we get back to campus today, mm-hmm. um, it really, you know, I think those kids appreciate knowing someone kind of cares about me. And, mm-hmm. um, you and know. It gives the parents security. Yes, that, it makes oh, parents feel better. my is being taken care of. He had a g- bad morning, but I know that the counselor is I there. loved making those phone calls back to mm-hmm. the parent to mm-hmm. be like, look, I just peeked in and they're right. doing their work and they seem to be paying attention. So, um, you know, definitely as a parent, you can always reach out to the school and make that connection. Yeah. And. I was talking to someone who her first year in college, she had a roommate who had some serious mental illness that she was dealing with some depression and suicidal tendencies and things like that. And she was kind of questioning. She was like, how did they send? So she had help 
wherever she came from, another state. And then they didn't have stuff in place for when she went to college. And she was, you know, that caused upheaval for both of them, including both families, really. Mm -hmm. But we were talking earlier, Jody, before we started the show about that mama intuition. And daddies have intuition as well. And just knowing, okay, there's some issues and really acting upon those things. Because mm-hmm. I know that as we as, we as parents get busy, there's so many things that we, we have to do. But really using that intuition and going, I think that this may, this may be a problem. And starting to address those things early, mm-hmm. early before yeah. they fly the coop yes. and go to college or technical school or, you know, whatever it is they're going to be doing after high school. There's so many resources and yeah. parents just have to take advantage of those resources. Mm-hmm. And if they're not aware of those resources, again, the school counselor can ask help your school that. counselor, mm-hmm. ask your school counselor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have a bunch more questions, but we do not have any more time. <laughs> oh. yeah. Wow. That was quick. You did say it would you, go by fast. You didn't believe me, but yeah. I told you it would go by really fast. <laughs> so unfortunately we are at a time, but thank you guys so much for sharing such valuable information. This is a really good episode. Thank no, you for I having appreciate us. you yes. inviting us to share our knowledge about counseling for sure. Yeah. So save the date. We always want to tell you guys a little bit about what's going on with Noggin Educational Foundation. So save the date for 91919. North Texas Giving Day is an 18-hour online giving event designed to empower every person to give back to their community by supporting North Texas nonprofits and causes they care about. So each year, Noggin receives support from cities all over the United States. And because of our school days show, we have listeners really all over the globe. So we're hoping that we'll, supp- we'll, we'll receive support from many different places. And what we do is we use the money collected from North Texas Giving Day to fund our free tutoring program. So this year, we were able to give free tutoring to 13 students because of North Texas Giving Day. And we already have, really, I have six here, but we have more than six on a waiting list. And we want to make room for a lot more. So we are asking that 334 people give $30. And if you're able to give more than 30 you can be one of those people that helps us meet our goal even faster. So what we'll do is we'll keep you posted about our progress. And you can start scheduling your giving starting September 9th. And North Texas Giving Day is actually September 19th. And that's my birthday, y'all. So I'll mention this more as we get closer and give you more details. And there will also be details on our website. So just putting a bug in your ear. Next week, my guest will be Dr. Jantel Jordan, who will be co-hosting with us. And she is an associate psychologist and postdoctorate fellow at Great Life Counseling Center. We will sit down with middle and high school counselors, Stephanie Threets and Danielle Fitch to discuss how students are dealing with their stress issues and provide parents with warning signs as well as tips to help their kids thrive under pressure. So make sure you share that information with your parent friends about next week. As always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And do you, YouTube, you can find episodes of School Days and other videos featuring the fun educational programs we offer with Noggin on our YouTube channel. So search for Noggin Educational Foundation on YouTube. 
And last but not least, we always want to end the show that, that saying by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.